See, I, I think you're all laughing because you've all had those kind of conversations. And if I ever find your cell phone and you're listed as boo-boo bear, we're going to have a serious discussion later in the week. Uh, no, um, I, I got to start with a funny story, but I, it's going to uh, embarrass me or, or my wife. So if you haven't met my wife yet, I'm going to embarrass her anyway. So Tanya, would you just stand up so people can see you? When I talk about my wife, I le legitimately have a wife. There she is, Tanya. Can you give her a hand? <clears throat> I swear for the first year we were here, people didn't think I had a wife because she was always off doing other things, serving in ministries and making Sunday mornings happen. Uh, I do have a wife, so when I tell this embarrassing story about us, um, this is who I'm referring to. Last Sunday, we did our, our small group launch here. Many of you guys were here. We had about 80 people show up for small groups. It was a great night. At the end of the night, I forgot that some friends had asked me to go play poker, so I after being away all morning preaching and then being away all afternoon preparing for Sunday and, and here Sunday, I then sent her a text. We were supposed to start at 7. I think I sent the text at like 6.45. Uh, and I said, hey, so-and-so asked me over for poker tonight. What do you think? <clears throat> and she responded with, really, in, in three question marks. <laughs> and I, I just let it go. Okay, this is out. I, I'm gone. So I go home, and I, and I was like, so I, you didn't want me to play? And she's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Go play. <laughs> and I knew, it, 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 guys, you know. That's not, it's fine, right? That's not like, hey, go play, everything's good, sure, I'm fine. That's, that's like, you better not turn around and step foot out that door. You know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> um, sometimes, <laughs> it's funny, see, you still love me, right? <clears throat> um, here, here's where I want to go with this. I, I think sometimes that's really easy for us. It's really easy to just, just say it's fine. Sometimes it's, it's really hard to kind of lean into what we're feeling. It's really hard to actually face up to whatever it is that's going on on the inside. And I don't know if it feels difficult for you as it does for me, um, but I'm guessing for most of us, it's uncomfortable to kind of enter into our feelings. So we've come up with these kind of phrases to cover it, right? Well, it's fine. Like, really? I just don't want to dive into it. I don't want to do the uncomfortable work of figuring out what it is I'm feeling and then even having to relate my feelings to someone else. Maybe it wasn't you. Maybe you're great at exploring your feelings. Maybe it's somebody else in your life. My guess is we all know someone if it's not us. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a mother or a father. Maybe it's a younger sister or an older brother. But there's somebody in your life that if you could encourage them, that if you, just, if you had like one wish, you would say, I just wish... Instead of leaning away from what you're feeling, instead of covering it with an it's fine, that you would for a moment just lean in. For a moment, you would just lean in and kind of explore what it is that you're feeling. And here's why. Because if you did that, it would help make you a better person. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about our emotions. And I know that's scary for some of you. For others of you, you're probably so elated that we're spending a few weeks talking about emotions um, I, I'm one of those guys that, that it, it gets a little scary. I, I don't like diving into my emotions. It's so much easier to just, you know, put up a wall and push people out. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But here, here's how I want to start off. I want to start off by talking about this word hygiene. Hygiene. When you think of hygiene, what do you think of? <clears throat> we, we, we think of showering, brushing our teeth, maybe clipping our toenails. It, really, it, we have this, this idea when it comes to hygiene about cleaning ourselves. Here, here's how I would describe it. It's the practices that we have that keep us healthy. It's the practices we do, and, and, and it starts off as, as, as something small when you're a child, like take a bath and brush your teeth. And then as you get older, like more routines get added in, right? Then you're clipping your own nails and you're brushing your hair. And, you know, the hygiene market is just like kind of boomed. There's 
300,000 different kinds of soap that all have different, uh, you know, chemistries that, that balance with your skin. And then there's four different kinds of shampoos that you need to use and different days of the week. And there's scrubs for your feet and scrubs for your face and scrubs for your hands. And d there's deodorant and there's mouthwash and there's toothpaste and toothbrush and floss. Like we could go on and on and on. We could spend hours just talking about the, all of the hygiene products that have overwhelmed the world. The truth is the hygiene industry is booming, but, but it's, it's, it's also a good thing. Because um, over the last like 100, 200 years that hygiene became a thing, a lot of good things have happened. D diseases have, have um, kind of diminished. Um, life expectancy ha has propelled. People stopped dying from, from, from diseases that were being passed by person to person because we started taking care of ourselves, because we started investing in our hygiene, because we started to do things to keep us clean. So, so here's, here's my question, and this is kind of the question that's going to go throughout the entire series that we're going to try to answer. The, the question is this, so what would change in our lives if we spent as much time on our emotional hygiene as we did on our physical hygiene? But what would change in your life if you would spend as much time thinking about what it is you're feeling and why you're, it is, why you're feeling the, the way it is as you do, say, brushing your teeth or getting ready in the morning? You see, we spend so much time worried about our physical appearance, worried about, about our physical hygiene. Uh, my guess is we spend very little time worried about what's happening on the inside because it's just easier to kind of push that away. It's fine. And I wonder what would happen if, if, if we all over the next few weeks would just take an honest look at whatever it is that's happening on the inside of us. Maybe it's a good thing. And maybe as you explore, you realize the, 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 the good things that are happening on the inside. Maybe it's not. And maybe there's something that's been there for years that you've kind of covered, that, you, that may, maybe you, you like put in a box and pushed it in a corner. Maybe you threw a sheet over and you said, I, you know, I'll, I'll deal with that sometime. And it's been years and years. And for some of you, maybe it's been decades and decades. And you've just kind of left it there and you've never gone back to it. I wonder what would happen if we spend a little more time focused on what's happening on the inside instead of what's happening on the outside. You see, we all know, though, that the longer you wait to deal with these things, the worse it actually gets, right? That the later you choose to deal with the stuff that you have, the greater the consequences of it. We know that to be true, that the longer we wait, the worse it gets, right? Later problems actually become greater problems. At least that's what my doctor tells me. Every time I go in for a physical, he's like, Jim, here's what you need to do. We need to, you need to eat right and exercise a little more. I'm like, oh, okay, Sure. Yeah, you need to eat right and exercise more. So, so what kind of eating plan can we get you on? And I'm like, Doc, I'll do that when I'm ready. Yeah, but, but we, we need to exercise more. And if you don't deal with it now, you know, there's, there, there's all these things that, that, that could come later. There's heart disease and there's, there's, heart, there's all of these things, Jim. Like, like the, the, the longer you wait, the greater your problems are going to get. And it's like, no, I'm okay. It hasn't bothered me yet. It won't bother me in the future. It's fine. <clears throat> and what the doctor knows really is the same thing that we all know about our emotional world and about our emotional health, is that the longer we continue to put these things off, the worse it gets to deal with them. That, that the longer we wait to actually confront and deal with whatever it is that's happening on the inside, the longer it remains undealt with, the worse it actually becomes to deal with it. How do we know this? Because we all have family members that have done this. We all know somebody who's, who's put something and locked something in a corner, and it has changed them, and it, is, it has shifted them, and, and they're not the same. And we all wish they would go back and just deal with whatever it is that they've been hiding. But we don't want to because it, it makes us feel uncomfortable. I, I don't want to go back to that pain. I saw a meme recently that, that made me laugh. Uh, it made me laugh out loud. That's LOL uh, for all of you who aren't in the know. 
Uh, to be honest, there may, may have been someone here who posted, so I'm really not sure. But, but I kind of laughed uh, when I saw it because I think it's so true. <clears throat> the meme actually sa- says this, if you can put it up. Um, actually, I think. Oh, yeah, that's it. There we go. There are only two things I don't like, change and the way things are, which I laugh because the, the, the truth is for all of us, th- this is exactly what the problem is. I don't like change. It makes me uncomfortable. I, I don't like the feelings it brings up, but I'm really not content with the way things are. I, I want things to change, but I really don't want it to change because I don't like the feelings it stirs up and I don't like what I have to deal with and I don't like the repercussions of change, but I really don't like the way things are now. And this is how we kind of live our life. We're, we're never satisfied. We always want something different, but we always hesitate to go into that thing, to, to lean in that direction, to get to whatever it is that's different that we want because of, of how it makes us feel. And we just say, you know, you know what? At the end of it all, it, it's fine. I, I'm okay. I'm happy where I am. Here's my assumption. And the truth is, I, I have to have this assumption. When, when I, I think about you and, and you being here on a Sunday morning, or maybe you're watching later in the week or listening on your drive home, the, the truth is, if you're here or if you're watching or if you're listening, I, I have this assumption about you, and that assumption is this, is that you're here because you want to be a better you, because you want something in your life to change, because you're, you're, you want to become the best version of yourself possible. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. And I'm glad, my hope is that you do feel that way, and I'm glad you do. The truth is, I feel the same way about myself. That I, see, I, I recognize in me that, that who I am isn't who I always want to be. That there's a gap between the person I am and the person I want to become. And I want to try to close that gap. I want to try to get closer to the person that I want to be, to the father I want to be, to the husband I want to be, to the employee, to the leader, to the friend. I, I, I want to be closer to that person than I am now. And if you're here and if you're listening to this, or if you're watching this, my guess is the same goes for you. We would say, I want more out of life. I'm not okay with where things are right now, and I'm ready to see it change. And why wouldn't we? I mean, really, there are people we know who we kind of look at, and they don't live that way. And we kind of ask the question, why not? And the truth is, as we kind of grapple with this person, it's difficult because we see things that need to change in their lives, and they will refuse to make those changes, and it's frustrating. Why wouldn't you want to be the best you? Why wouldn't you want to improve? Why wouldn't you want to have the better job? Why wouldn't you want to progress in your life and be more successful, be a better husband, be a better dad, have your kids look up to you with smiles instead of fear? Like, why wouldn't you want these things? <clears throat> and it's because to do those things, to become the better person, when you look on the inside. And that's not always comfortable. And for those of us that struggle with this, we say things like this, you know what, I have a right to feel the way I feel. I have a right, I have a right to feel the what I'm feeling. And the truth is, you absolutely do. You have a right to feel the way you feel. And you say, well, no one can tell me how to feel. And, and maybe that's true. Maybe nobody can tell you how you should feel. Nobody can tell you that you should feel differently. But, but here's the question I'd have for you. Is what you're feeling and staying there, is that actually helping? Or is that holding you? Continuing to feel what you're feeling, continuing to say, but I have a right to feel this way and never doing anything about what you're dealing with and why you're feeling, is it actually helping? Or is it stalling you out and keeping you where you are and keeping you from becoming the person, the man, the woman that you want to be? See, I hope over the next few weeks that we would have the courage to look inside and to deal with this, to, to do the challenging work. And I knew when, when I was preparing this message, this isn't one of the messages you're going to see smiles and get cheers from because this is, this is deeply personal and it's uncomfortable. 
But over the next few weeks, if we can get a little bit more comfortable and we can get a little bit more courage and decide, you know what, now's the time. Now's the time to look inside. I'm tired of saying, you know, I have a right to feel this way and just leaving whatever it is there for everyone else to see and never dealing with it. If we could get the courage to start dealing with it, my guess is we could become a little bit closer, maybe a lot closer for some of us to the people we've always wanted to become. See, the truth is we end up taking our, our feelings Sorry, we end up talking ourselves out of these feelings. The things that we know we feel, we say things like this. We say things like, well, you know, of course, it's fine. That's what the series is called, right? It's fine. It, it, it's fine. Just do what you want, but I really don't want you to do what you want. We say things like that all the time, or we say things like this. It's just not that big of a deal. Really, it's not. I, I don't care. He can go do what she wants. He, I, they, they can go do what they want. It, it's whatever happened to me in my past. It's just not that big of a deal. That, that pain that I've been holding on to for years, it's just not that big of a deal. It, it's fine. And then we say this one. We say, it's not my fault. I didn't do this to me. Somebody else did this to me. And there may be a, a, a world of truth in that statement. But are you going to allow what somebody else did to you keep you where you've been for years and never move closer to who God wants you to be? You're absolutely right. It might not be your fault. But it is your responsibility to deal with it. And it's my responsibility to deal with it. If I want to be better, if I want to be the person that God has kind of destined me to be and designed me to be, I've got to learn to take up the responsibility and deal with it. Otherwise, for the rest of my life, I'll be saying this. It's fine. It's no big deal. Somebody else did it to me. The truth is you have a father in heaven. And no matter what you feel about him, no matter what you even think about him, you might not even believe that. You need to know you have a father in heaven who wants you to have the best life possible. He sent his son, Jesus, and Jesus gave us the promise, I will give you life and I will give it more abundantly. He wants that for you. But the only way to get there is to begin to fix what's on the inside. So we're going to look at something Jesus said. <clears throat> Jesus said a lot of things about this. There's, there's one incredible passage that we've looked at this a, a, a thousand times, this, this Sermon on the Mount, right? This is like one of the most amazing pieces of, lit- pieces of literature in the entire world for all of time. This is like Jesus' go-to message. This is what he comes back to time and time again. He's, he's teaching thousands of people on a hill, and he's kind of wrapping up his message. And when he wraps up his message, he gets to this this. this this little, this little section that is so brilliant, it's so full of wisdom. And, and, and oftentimes we kind of read through it, and when we read through it, my guess is, we kind of apply it to other people. We kind of apply it to other situations. But if we were to read through it and kind of look at it through the lens of, of what does this mean about me and how I should fix me, I think we'll see things in a different light and we'll begin to understand Jesus wanted us to fix what's on the inside, that we could never be all that Jesus wants us to be. We could never have the life that Jesus wanted us to have unless we took the time to focus on what's happening to us and who we are. Jesus is teaching this, this incredible message, the Sermon on the Mount, and he wraps up this way. This is from the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew's one of Jesus' followers. He records this. This is Matthew's kind of version of the events. Matthew says this. Sorry, Jesus says this. <clears throat> Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no, no attention to the plank in your own eye? Have you, I mean, and we see this all the time, don't we? You've met people like this. They're just so quick to point out everyone else's faults and not look at your own. He said, yeah, but why do we do that? Why is it that we can't notice the two by four hanging out of your own eye, but you can notice a speck of sawdust in somebody else's eye? It's like, guys, what's going on here? Something's completely wrong. This isn't the way you're supposed to live. This isn't the way you're supposed to be. This isn't how I, I, I kind of designed this, but this is so incredibly common. And really, it's so incredibly unfortunate. 
Because this is what we do. We are so good at pointing out the faults in somebody else. We are so good at pointing out the mistakes that somebody else has made. And oftentimes we use this in reference to how we're behaving on the outside. But what if we look at what's going on on the inside? We're so good at pointing out somebody else's problems and somebody else's emotions. Rarely do we ever take the time to look at ourselves. He was on, he says, how can you say to a brother, let, <clears throat> let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's still this plank in your own? And this is really helpful, especially for those of you who, who are in uh, like uh, maybe the healthcare industry. Maybe you're an educator. Maybe you have to care for other people. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe now you're at a stage of your life where you're like a parent to your parents. And there's this struggle, like, like I've got to care for other people. But, but Jesus is saying, how can you care for other people when you haven't cared for yourself, when you haven't taken care of what's going on in your own life, when you haven't taken care of your emotions? You're going to be no good to anybody else if you don't first care for what's happening with you. So what does he say? He says, well, here's what I'd like you to do. I'm going to challenge you. He says, you hypocrites. And it's like, easy, Jesus. Come on. Like, you had to go there already? He's like, no, seriously. Think about it. You are being so incredibly hypocritical. Here's what I want you to do. I want to challenge you. He says, first, I want you to take the plank out of your own eye. And then, he says, you will see clearly enough to remove the speck from your brother's. Here's what I want you to do. I want you first to focus on whatever it is that's going on in your heart, in your life, with your emotions. Deal with this first because you will never be able to serve other people well. You will never be able to care for other people well. You will never care for your children as a parent the way you should. You'll never be the husband or the wife that you should to your spouse if you're always worried about the little speck in their eye and ignoring the plank that's hanging out of yours. If you want to learn to care for people well, if you want to learn to care for your parents well, he said, first, you have to care for yourself well. And, and, and I know, like, if you take this to the extreme, you, you, get, you, know, you get into some dangerous places. I'm not talking about being self-centered. I'm not talking about being completely wrapped up in yourself and being self-focused. I know there are people who spent the last decade going on journeys to discover themselves. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, if it's taken you 10 years and you still can't find yourself, something's wrong. <clears throat> but, but really, here, here's the problem. When you spend so much time uh, just focused on yourself, you lose sight of what's going on in the rest of the world and your problems seem so insurmountable. Maybe the best thing you need is to spend some time serving somebody else. To put it kind of into comparison or into perspective how small your problems actually are. That's not what I'm talking about. This isn't go, go be self-centered and self-focused and just worry about yourselves and not worry about anyone else. That's not at all what I'm saying. And that's not at all what I think Jesus is saying. I think he's saying, I want you to serve others. And I want you to care for others. But you can't do it if you're broken. You can't do it if what's here is a mess and it's never dealt with. You've got to fix this first so that then you can go and serve and care for others well. Another way of saying it is like this. You can't get to where you want to be until you know where you are. You can't get to where you want to be unless you know where you are. We spent all last year talking about that with the principal path, knowing where you are and knowing where you're headed. You guys ever go to the mall? I know that's like a pastime now because all the malls are closing down. But when I was like 15 or 16, I remember I went to the mall every Friday. I had a job and every Friday was payday. So I'd go pick up my check and I'd run to the bank and I'd cash and I'd put some money aside for my dad for the car insurance because his rule was I couldn't drive if I didn't pay my own insurance. And then the rest of the money I'd take and I'd run to the mall and and I'd run to the music store. I don't know if you guys had this up here in Maine. I'm from Pennsylvania. So in eastern Pennsylvania, our music store was called The Wall. Do you guys remember The Wall? 
It, it was like the place where you went and bought CDs. That was, it wasn't digital music for all of you young people. That was an actual disc that had physical music and you had like a lyric sheet. <clears throat> Every Friday, I'd, I'd run to the wall, which I think later became FYE. And, you know, we'd, we'd run in and I'd, I'd get all the CDs that I could afford that week. And then I'd create a mental list of what I was coming back for the week after. <clears throat> if you haven't been to the mall in a while, my guess is um, you're not going to go anytime soon. But when you went to the mall... Uh, and you wanted to find a store. You wanted to find, say, you wanted to find the wall or FYE. You wanted to go get some music, and you didn't know how to get there because some malls had multi-levels, and you know they had these weird layouts. What would you do? You'd run to the directory, right? You'd go to the directory and, and you'd look for the store you want to go to. You'd, you'd find the wall and say, okay, that's at A7. Good. Now I know where I have to go, but but I still don't know how to get there until I find what? Until you find the star, right? That star is so important because that star says what? Here's where you are. And here's how you get to A7. It's no good to know the destination if you don't know where you're at. You're never going to get there. Great, A7's there. Where's A7? I have no idea how to get there until you find the star. And it says, here's where you are. You have to know where you are to know where you're headed. And unless you do the work of kind of exploring where you are, what you're dealing with, what's going on on the inside, what's, what's happening with your emotions, you'll never know how to get to where you're going. You'll never get to where you're going. You'll never be the man, you'll never be the husband, you'll never be the father, the mother, the teacher, the educator, the leader that you want to be because you've never taken the time to figure out where I am right now. And you're probably sitting there thinking, yeah, but Jim, I I don't deal with this. That's, That's not my struggle. But then you have conversations and somebody asks you about your childhood and, you know, you say, I don't, I don't like talking about that. Somebody asks about your family traditions, and, and, and you get kind of emotional. Somebody asks about, about your first marriage, and you begin to shut up and clam up and walk away. You see, so many of us have carried things around for years. We don't even know it's there anymore. And until we begin to shift our focus into fixing that and dealing with that, we're going to be stalled. And we'll never grow, and we'll never become, and we'll never have the life that we've ultimately wanted. See, this is really what I wanted to share with you this morning. I wanted to introduce this idea, and then I wanted to say this. Here's my hope. Over the next few weeks, as we dive into this, my hope is, is, is that we would become courageous people, that we would be brave people, that we would have the conversations that we, want, we never wanted to have. Maybe we need to have them with other people. More often than not, my guess is you'll need to have them with yourself. You'll need to have an honest conversation with why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And then what do we do about it? How do we become the people that we've always wanted to be? We've been dragging around this baggage, and it's heavy. It's hidden. No one can see it, but it is heavy, and it's weighing us down. How ultimately do I become what I've always wanted to be? So if you're asking yourself the question, well, that's great. What do I do? That would be a great question because that's where my outline is taking us. Here's what you do. Here's number one. When you begin to realize, <clears throat> okay, maybe I do have an issue. Maybe I am carrying something around that I, I need to get off my back, that I need to deal with. What do I do? Number one, pay attention to your emotional pain. Now, this isn't T-pain. This is the emotional pain. This is the pain that you've been carrying around for years. This is the pain that comes up when somebody asks how your relationship with your mom was when you were a kid. This is, this is the pain that comes up when somebody asks uh, about your parents' divorce or maybe about your divorce. This is the pain that comes up when somebody asks, how's your relationship with your kids? 
This is the pain that comes up when somebody asks, how are things, how are things going you know, with, with your family, with your friends? This is the pain that comes up every time somebody asks a question that, that, that we've kind of covered the answer to. And for years, we've, we've, we've hidden it and nobody knows, but it's there and it's painful. And the reason we don't go back to it is because we know how painful it is. When you begin to feel that way, when somebody asks a question and you begin to get emotional, when somebody asks a question and you begin to feel that kind of pain, don't lean away from it. That's a sign that you need to lean into it. That's a sign that you need to come back to it. That's a sign that it needs to be addressed. That's a sign that there's something there that hasn't been dealt with, that ultimately needs to be dealt with. Now, I know in our world, that sounds dangerous. I know in our world, that sounds incredibly uncomfortable. I know we don't want to spend the time doing that. But the truth is, we'll never get there if we don't. We need time for self-reflection, for introspection, for learning who we are and kind of taking that apart to figure out how we can get better. There was a, an author in the Bible. He's, he's probably the, the best in all of the Bible at this kind of practice of self-reflection and introspection. He was a king. His name was King David. King David was, was this amazing man who, who wrote this incredible, uh, we call it a book in our Bible, but it's full of psalms, and it's full of, of the, these moments of introspection. I, I, I think it's absolutely incredible. He's described as, as a person after God's own heart. And the reason I think he was a person after God's own heart is because he knew his heart so well. He had taken himself apart daily, maybe yearly, maybe weekly. He just kind of ripped his heart apart to say, what's in there and why do I feel the way I feel? Well, one of the best things you can do if you're trying to figure this out for you is, is to at least once a year get into a practice of reading through the Psalms. If, if Bible readings ever become bored to you, read through the Psalms because it's not boring. When you begin to see the honest reflection and the honest conversation that David has with God, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing that somebody would talk to God that way and feel that way. Eugene Peterson, this incredible author, says this uh, about the Psalms. <clears throat> he says the Psalm gives us, gives us permission to cuss without cussing at God. And when you read through how honest David has a conversation with God and how he feels about what's going on in his life, maybe God bringing it or, or somebody bringing it upon him, it's incredible the honesty that he has. So in Psalms, he says this. This is from Psalm 4. He says, when you're on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. You ever just practice being silent? It's scary, isn't it? We read that and we think to ourselves, yeah, but I mean, I can read my phone, right? Like I can just turn my phone on silent and look through my phone. And I think David said, no, no, no. Go to bed, turn your phone off, and be quiet. Why would I do that? If you want to know what's happening on the inside, go to bed and be quiet. And all the things that we've kept hidden they begin to get loud. You want to know what's going on on the inside? Have a moment of quietness. Say, God, search my heart. You begin to uncover what's there. My guess is that sounds a little crazy to you. Truth is, that sounds really scary to me. But if you ever want to fix what it is that's happening on the inside, follow the man who is after God's own heart's advice. Be silent. Another time, in Psalm 139, David says this. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
God, search me and test me. Even explore these thoughts that, that kind of ravage my mind and make me fearful and anxious. And then in all those things, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, see if there's any offensive thought in me anywhere. You're the standard. You've set the life that I want, God, and I know my life's a little bit of a mess. I know the things that I've done. I know the pain, the things that have happened to me. It's all here, and it's keeping me from that. Search me and find those ways so that maybe I can fix them to get to be to where I always wanted to be. You need to get a little emotionally curious. Have you ever, have you ever noticed how curiosity plays into life such, in such an incredible way? Curiosity is so incredibly helpful. Because curiosity breeds humility. It, it helps us find a place where we can be humble. And here's why. Because arrogant people don't ask questions. Have you ever noticed that? It's so true. Arrogant people don't ask any questions. And here's why. Because they already know everything they, that they need to know. They don't ask any questions because they already have the answer for it. They don't need to know anything else because they, they already know everything. They don't ask, why am I feeling what I'm, what, what, what I'm feeling? What's actually happening on the inside of me? They're not concerned about that because they think they already have all the answers. This is the art of being ruthlessly, ruthlessly curious about what you're really experiencing. David did it all the time. And then after you pay attention to your emotional pain, number two, recognize the wide, wide array of emotions. If you're anything like me, there's like five emotions, right? I'm happy, I'm sad, <clears throat> I feel good, I feel bad. That pretty much covers it. They're, they're, they're like, that, that's how I kind of related emotionally. There are so many more emotions than that. And, and if I can't for a minute, if I can just speak to the guys, because I, I, my guess is if, if you were raised any, in any way and maybe in the time that I was raised, I think we were taught so many things that, that are completely untrue. My guess is you, you grew up in a world where, where you were told not to cry. Then something happened when you were a kid, and you start crying, and, and some guy comes along and says, come on, real men don't cry. Dry it up. Real men don't cry. Come on, here, just man up. Just get over your emotions. That's what real men do. We just get over it. Just get over it. Just overcome your emotions. Just, just put it away and overcome it. That's what real men do. And we've been taught this. And maybe we've even tried to live it out. But here's my question. How's it really going for you? How are you really feeling? See, I think one of the worst things we can do is just man up. Just, just, just man up and stop crying. Just deal with it on your own. That's the worst answer to the problem. But that's what we've been told. And because of that, we don't know how to communicate our, about our emotions. We don't, have, we don't have the language to even put on how we're feeling. So here's what I'm going to do. I, I, I have got a picture for you. It's called the wheel of emotions. And I know this sounds completely elementary, and I know you can't see any of those words. So we zoomed it in a little bit for you. Thank you, gra graphics team. You're amazing. Uh, believe it or not, I'm the graphics team, so <laughs> pretty amazing. <clears throat> but if you're anything like me, maybe th this is how you communicate your emotions. But there is so much more than that. If you're feeling angry, why? Maybe it's because I'm humiliated. Maybe it's because I've been disrespected. Maybe it's because I, I, I feel ridiculed. Maybe I'm fearful, but I'm actually insecure. Maybe it's because there's some, there's some nervousness in me. I, I've been exposed. Maybe I, I'm sad, which means I'm really, I'm just lonely. And I wish I had some company. Maybe I, I'm, I'm happy, which means I'm proud. 
Like, there is so much more to it, and you need some words to put around it. Because my guess is, if you're anything like me, the reason there may be some challenges between you and your spouse is because you don't understand how you feel, and you have no idea how to communicate with what she's feeling. You have no idea how to connect to your kids and what your kids are feeling because we have a really small frame of reference for our emotions. And maybe we need to dive in a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger rather, dig in and figure out what it is we're actually feeling. Because we, we don't want to be the kind of guys that end up in, in 10 years with no spouse and no kids because we couldn't, we couldn't connect emotionally. We didn't understand them. Yeah, you know, he, he was a good guy, but he was never really here. He was never really present. You know, my dad was a great guy. He knew my schedule well, but, but he didn't really know my heart. Every night I put my girls to bed, I ask them, how's your heart? And they look at me and they roll their eyes. It's good. It's fine. <laughs> I want to make sure they know from a young age, they can always connect with me. Never, you never have to be ashamed about what you're feeling. You can always come to your dad and tell your dad, and this is a safe place. How's your heart? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Have you ever tried to find a real answer? My guess is for some of us, we've been stalled in our life for years and years and years because we've been avoiding the hard work that would propel us forward. Number three, we need to make a determination for the emotion. And that's what we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about, is learning habits and learning skills to make a determination for what it is we're feeling. When we do the work and we begin to realize this is what I'm feeling, then what do I do about it? How do I fix it? If I know I'm the kind of person who gets, who gets angry all the time, what do I do about that? Maybe I'm not angry. Maybe I'm hangry. Do you guys ever, we call this with our kids. Maybe you just need to go eat something. Maybe I'm in a bad mood. Maybe I'm feeling depressed because I'm tired and you need to go take a nap. Maybe that's not it at all. Maybe you're depressed because somebody hurt you when you were a child and you need to figure out how to deal with that. Over the next few weeks, this is what we want to do. We want to teach some skill sets. What do we do when we determine what we're feeling? How do we deal with that? What's the next step? You see, I've heard this said before, is that emotions are like messengers. Emotions are like messengers. They're all trying to tell us something. The question is, Will we stop long enough to listen, to understand what it is and why it is we're feeling what we're feeling? What am I feeling and why am I feeling it? My hope for you today is that you would be more open, that you, we would be so much more aware of what it is we're feeling that we would eventually be able to, to say and identify, here's what I'm feeling and here's why I'm feeling it. My hope is that you would be brave people, that you would be courageous that you'd be willing to do the hard work over the next few weeks. This is what emotional hygiene might look like for you and me if we were to start doing this. Number one, <clears throat> we would recognize what we're feeling. We'd be able to stop and put a word exactly on it. This is what I'm feeling. This is the emotion that I'm feeling. To be a little bit more curious about it. Number two, how do we know what to do with it? How do we know what to do with what it is that we're feeling? I know this sounds elementary, but I, I also know that this often stands between me and my wife and, and really connecting and knowing who she is and how she's feeling. I don't want my kids to ever get to a place in their life. They say, yeah, my dad was around, but he was never really around. I don't want my friends to ever say, yeah, you know, he, he came and he did things, but he was never really present. He was always kind of disconnected. I don't want my wife to ever say, yeah, he was a good guy, but he was never really good to me. 
And my hope is that we'll do the work to make sure we don't end there. So here's what I'd love for us to do. We're going to close, and we're going to close with a song. I, I, I would love for us to just take a moment and invite God in. It's, it's just, we have the time. I'm, going to end, I'm ending a little early. All I'm going to ask you to do is that we would just take one simple moment and say, God, I, I'm really not sure all that's going on on the inside. And for years, I've tried to push it aside. For years, I've, I've, tried, to, I've tried to hide it. I've tried to put a sheet over it. But, but I, I want to start dealing with it. And what you need to know is God's not sitting on the outside saying, good, go deal with it. God loves you enough to say, no, I'm right there with you. Let me come in and let me enter the mess with you and let me help you sort it out. Let me help you put words to it. Let me help you bring healing to it. Let me show you which way to go. Here's another thing King David wrote. He said, God, you do not delight in sacrifice or else I, I would bring it. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. People would go through, through this, this rigorous detail of trying to offer the, these, these things to God to try to earn his favor. He said, you're not in any of that. You don't find any pleasure in that. He says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Maybe the thing that God's actually looking for for you is you. Maybe the very thing that, that, that he wants it isn't your strength, it isn't your, your, your will, it, it isn't all the hard work you do, it isn't all the serving you do. Maybe it's simply you. But that's the thing that we guard and we keep away from the most. So I've asked Chris to sing a song called Gracefully Broken. And all I'm going to ask you to do is as he's singing, you, you can kind of enter, enter in and, and react to the song however you choose. But just take a moment. And if that's you find yourself there saying, you know, I've been hiding I really don't know. I haven't spent any time working on it. Invite God in. God, would you come into the process? Would you be a part of the journey? Would you help me realize where I've been hiding and how to get to where I ultimately want to be? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. God, I know this is a challenging message. I know this makes us feel uncomfortable, God. I know some of us, God, we don't want to do that work. We don't want to uncover the things we've kept covered. But God, I also know that to get to where we want to be, to get to where you want us to be, God, it's going to require us to do it. I pray that you would make us courageous, that you would give us the courage to do the things we need to do with what we've heard this morning and give us the wisdom to do it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.